DJ and PK brought to you apart by Zero Res. When I get the carpets and tile cleaned, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean, and I won't have it any other way. $33 per room clean. Carpenter tile, April only. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Question of the day. Suns beat the Sixers to go 2-0 on their Eastern swing, keep the pressure on the Jazz. Are they forcing the Jazz to abandon any ideas of resting players? I think it's case by case. I don't think the Jazz are going to abandon anything they're doing with Mike Conley. His hamstrings are, uh, are critical to their success, and they're not going to risk him with back-to-backs, and I think he'll keep sitting back-to-back. But the Suns have nothing to do with that. They've already made that decision a long time ago. What do you mean? The Jazz have already made the decision that Conley's not playing back-to-backs. He's either uh-huh. going to rest the first one or the second one. Right. But that decision was made long before we got down the stretch run and the Suns haven't wilted or the Suns haven't faded or, get this, the Suns haven't set. <laughs> yeah, there it is. It took a while. You were all around it. You focus in on the target. Right. Bullseye. Yeah, you got to warm up the crowd, man. Exactly. You sing your best song right at the first one. <laughs> So, you know, that's the way they've already made that decision, irregardless of what the Suns are doing. These other decisions now are made with far more information, and it's totally understandable. Conley is somewhat of an – he's not injury-prone, but he has a little bit of an injury history, and a hammy is a tender thing, obviously, and can go at any moment, can strain at any moment, whatever you want to say there. So that that is completely – totally understandable, and he's such a weapon – that you know they haven't had in the postseason for a good while. I realize they had it last year, but he missed the what did he missed one game, he missed two games. Well, I can't remember with the birth of his child, so they didn't even really have that entirely. So you want that entirely because this cha- this team has a chance to go to the NBA Finals. So you want to nurse that situation and do it in the appropriate manners, no question about it. And But the, everything else now is going to be made with the idea of the Suns not going away. I think regardless of whether the Suns do or don't go away, whether they lose a couple games at this Eastern trip or go home and lose to the Clippers and lose to the Jazz, I don't think they're going to rest Donovan, uh, Donovan Mitchell because he's missing a bunch of games right now. This is If he needs games off, he's getting games off. So why would you miss a twenty? Why would you rest a twenty-four-year-old? Yeah. So it comes down to, and we decided this earlier. Really, what are they going to do with Gobert, and what are they going to do with Royce O'Neal? Royce spends a lot of energy, and Gobert, Quinn kind of alluded to something that Rudy had going on, and they sat him that one game against the Lakers. So we got a lot of reaction rolling in here. Uh, Jacob says the two seed might not be so bad this year. Rather might not be. Rather play the Clippers than play the. Well, first off, first round, two versus seven. You don't have any idea who seven's going to be because seven is going to play eight. And at this point, there's only a half game between six and seven. You know, Dallas is seven right now, but they could move out of this playing thing. They're only a half game behind Portland. So there's so many potential opponents that is the one and two seed. You don't know who the seven and eight are going to be. You have no idea. You can't arrange for anything. You have no clue. Well, but if you're worried about that, then you're in a whole bunch right. of trouble. So then it's set. So right now, uh, the two seed, the threes, the Clippers, I, I don't think they'll drop down to four. And the Nuggets and Lakers, I think, will be four and five. I don't know what order they'll be and who will have home court, but I think they should be four and five. So would you rather 
be the two seed and play the Clippers, or would you rather be the one seed and get the Nuggets or the Lakers? Okay. Would I rather be punched in the face or kicked in the groin? <laughs> right. <laughs> Pick so, your poison. Yeah, I suppose I would rather have, if the Lakers are fully healthy, I'd rather have the Clippers, but it's by a hair. Yeah. And so I don't know that it really is going to matter. And I, I I like the, the the Nuggets won again last night, and Portland had Damon Lillard back. Yep, he didn't shoot the ball well, but the the Nuggets are now four and zero, I think, without Jamal Murray. Uh, so good for them finding ways to win. Uh, I would like to see that Laker Denver series go seven, and obviously you want to see Denver win uh, from the Jazz perspective. If for another reason than if you don't win, the Lakers don't win, and LeBron. Finding himself uh, in, with his tweets yesterday, I suppose some people get turned off by that. And I don't really care what LeBron thinks politically. I know what he thinks every time he speaks or tweets. I already know what he's going to say, just like Steve and Greg. I mean, I, and I know what those guys are going to say. They've said it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that's their right as Americans, so so be it. But I imagine there's a lot of people that now don't want LeBron to win because of that. But it's the Lakers and all that stuff, so I get that you would want Denver to win. So at least if you don't win, that you don't have to stomach the Lakers winning again. I understand the fan. Any, anybody but the Lakers. Sure, yeah, I get, I get all that. Uh, but at the same time, and I think they're going to win. And so would I rather face them or the Clippers? Yeah, that, that's a tough situation either way. Because if Paul George, if he is does in the postseason what he's doing now. They're as legitimate as anybody. And I might even pick them to be the favorite. I think that's the kind of thing you say on radio. When push comes to shove, you're going to pick the Lakers as the favorite. Now, if the Lakers aren't healthy, then everyone will well, recalibrate. Yeah. But, 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 you, but the if will be right there when you're making the prediction. So it's not really a true prediction because you're putting a major clause in it. <laughs> So if he plays like this, they're going to win. All right. Well, that's that's looking back, and then you're covered either way. Well, right. see, he played like that. Yeah. Well, he didn't play like that. Well, see, I told you. <laughs> that's my kind of prediction, man. You can't lose. <laughs> nice. Parker says people shouldn't be resting to begin with. They get paid millions of dollars to play basketball. Big picture, I get why you say that, Parker, but I think you got to take individual stuff like Conley's hamstrings, uh, into uh, into account, but that's but, see, that's not that's really a, resting to me. Uh, and again, that depends on how you take it and how you. That's spend injury it. management, right? And Parker, if if you're more um, looking at guys who are younger and healthier and who are still only playing, you know, fifty or sixty games, uh, it's it's frustrating to get all fired up for a big game, especially if you're a fan and you've spent money to go to a game. And I realize there's you know, in some places, either fewer or no fans, you know, depending on where you go. Uh, so it's kind of a different deal this year. But it's frustrating to pay for a game and then a guy just doesn't play. And you're there to see the stars. And we got a lot. You covered this in the 7 o'clock hour. There are a lot of stars taking a lot of games off, but there's also a lot of what I think we would describe as high-end role players taking a lot of games off, too. Well, starters. Yeah, right. They're starters. Well, you went through the Sixers last night. You know, it's uh, Simmons is a star. He didn't play. Embiid did, uh, but Harris didn't play. So, and Seth Curry didn't play. Right. So he's not a star, but he's a starter on that team, or he has been. 
If not, he's one of the first guys off the bench. But, yeah, and you're watching that game from the Jazz perspective. You're frustrated because you want to see the Suns drop a couple of games. Yep. And give yourself a little cushion there. Because the truth is, I think that you wouldn't mind seeing the Jazz players rest a little bit (laughs) and still take first. That's the best of the both is that uh, they're not extended. Like last night wasn't really grueling minutes anyway. Nope. Nope. Uh, But you don't want them to be extended to fight for something while LeBron and AD are sipping pina coladas at the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Before we begin the fourth quarter, let's take a live look at LeBron. (laughs) Yeah. Man, I just thought AD, when they took the shot at him during the Jazz-Laker game on Monday, he had a look on his face like, this is boring. I know oh, who's sure. I yeah. know who's going to win this game. I yeah. just can't wait to be back. Out I think there. he's coming back tonight, right? Yeah, that's the that's the. I mean, I, I hesitate to say yes for sure is that they because they about? get that's what they're talking about. He but is they, expected to be available to play exactly, yeah. and I think he probably will. But I don't want to guarantee it because at five o'clock they can just say nope, uh, something happened in the pregame warmups, and we're going to be careful and we're going to hold on for one more game, you know. But yeah, I, I, he is about ready to come back, and it could happen tonight. Well, he's got to get out there at some point. Yeah, and he just looked like he was just way over all of this, you know. Jeff Hornacek, a long time ago, said, I- I'm here to play basketball. I'm not here to watch basketball. Sitting on the bench is boring. I want to play. He says, I know you can't play all 48 minutes, but the best part of the game is when you're out there playing. And AD's had to sit a long time. Yeah, I've never understood these guys who don't want to play because I don't understand that mindset because – Especially as you start to get around 30, you start to realize, this puppy, I've got way less ahead of me yep. than I have uh, behind me. And so get out there and play because it's, it's unlike anything else. I mean, you, the older you get, the more you appreciate everything. I mean, that's just a fact of life. Every, anybody can tell you that. So uh, I would think that he would want to get back out there and fun. That's, this is, and especially when you're really, really good at it. <laughs> you'd think that uh, you'd, you'd want to do it because not that it necessarily comes easy to you, but the fact is you're super good at it, so you want to get it. So they're going to be out there. So from the Jazz perspective, I don't know that playing the Lakers is any great walk in the park. The one or two seed, I mean, I mean there's something to be said that, you know, you had the one seed. Is there anything, does that, does that mean anything? Forget about the pairings and the brackets but that you were the best team in the conference, likely to be, that would mean, best team in the league. Does, does that mean anything over a 72-game season? I think it probably depends on the player. And if that gives you a little more confidence, uh, then, yeah, it does mean something. You know, and look in there and say, we're the top dog. Everybody, everybody had injuries. We may not have had as many, which the Jazz haven't had as many, but everybody's had some. You know, obviously the Lakers have uh, have had a rougher rougher go with the injuries, but I think it can give you a little confidence. Absolutely. And you've come this far. Why not get it? I think there's a strong argument to be made for that. Get every little I, advantage you can, and it's not a I big deal. I think they are going to get it. I do they too. We'll get it. I do too, and I I still I may. I may have to take all of this back, but I still think the Suns are going to lose a couple games here at the end of the month. You know, and it's a good start to the road trip, and credit them for winning close games. And yeah, they've had some breaks, but there's always a little bit of luck in the mix. That's no different for them or anybody else this year or any other given year. You know, so it just if it happens, it happens. You know, because there's they, a lot in this league. There's a lot of teams that are okay 
and then there's a lot of teams that aren't okay, or there's some teams that aren't okay, and there's a bunch of teams that are okay. And I believe that without a player or two, as long as it's not Gobert, <laughs> that the Jazz can beat those okay to not okay teams. So they don't even need everybody to beat those guys. Gobert is a different animal. Are you because... talking about the Houston, Minnesota, and Sacramento stretch that we're well, in Well, right certainly, now? obviously. That, you're that, th- you're talking even teams that are the 500-ish teams. Dallas, Portland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- those types of t- I believe that the Jazz can – they don't well, need Donovan Mitchell to beat those teams. The Jazz record when they're missing Mitchell or Conley or Ingles – is very good. I'd have to go add it up, but I, I think it's somewhere in right. like the fourteen and two range or something like that. Uh, so yeah, to your point, they have enough depth that if they lose, they don't have enough depth to replace Rudy. But with the other Nobody guys, does. they have enough depth that in the short run they can make it work. You know, if you get into the playoffs and you're missing one of those guys, I don't know that you can make it work. But in the regular season, you can. And they well, have. we're only talking about re- right. regular and season right now. Yeah, and then they almost did it against Denver last year. Yep, and and in did Conley miss one or two games? I mean, at I that think, point they're missing two of their five. I think he missed two, but I'd have to go back and look. So I'm do not I. Sure. And they pushed it to seven. Bogey plays zero, and Conley plays five. Uh, that's not bad. That that's showing you that they have some depth there, and the depth is basically the same. And I think that even though the players are the same, I think they have more depth this year. Uh, Favors obviously is in there, and he's a difference from compared to last year. And I think Niang is a much better player now. Maybe it's not that he's better; he's just playing with more confidence. Maybe that's just it. Whatever it might be. But anyway, the point being, he's giving you much more of a contribution this year. Unless I'm misremembering. I don't think you are. Like, I think yeah. that, and I think those two things go hand in hand. You play a little better, you have more confidence. You have more confidence, you play a little better. You know, it's a whole cycle you go through. And I think if there's one thing he does now that I have more confidence in him than I used to, it's his ability yeah. when they close out on him, he thinks yeah, he's got an open three floor, and somebody yeah. throws him the ball, he puts it on the floor and goes to the hoop. And he's got, got a big body. He does. And uh, they made the point on the, on the Houston broadcast, I think Thurl made it, well, he had to play a lot of four in college, so he's yeah. got confidence when he gets into the paint. Um, you know, he knows how to use his body, create a little space. Booner's always big on that. You know, how do you use your body, play the angles, and create space where there doesn't seem to be a lot. And he did that. He, he went he, yesterday against the Rockets. He drove past the hoop and yeah, just yeah. a little head fake, and he got the guy off balance in the air, and then he flipped in a little hook over the guy. And it was a nice play. And I don't think I had the confidence in him to do that a year or two ago, you know. Yeah, he's not a high flyer by any stretch, but he's got a big body and he's got a lot of offensive skill. Yep. So he can dribble the ball. He's never going to blow by you, but it's but not if he's what got you off balance because you're closing out too hard, he can go by yeah. you. So exactly, yeah, he's not. But he's not going to blow by you. No, he can go by you. He's right. just not going to. I'm going to put my head right. down and just beat you to the basket. But he's crafty in that way, and he's very skilled offensively. So he's giving you much more of a contribution. This is as deep a team as they've had since I can't remember when, so I'm not even going to bother to figure it out. I'll let you, let you worry about that crap because it doesn't really matter. Uh, but it, the fact is they legitimately can go nine deep and get significant contributions from each and every one of those nine guys. So I suspect that they can handle 
a little bit here and there if guys don't play. So maybe they could have the best of both. Maybe they can watch guys' minutes while still winning in the regular season and getting the number one seed. Well, they have rarely been this deep, and I don't, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't think the Boozer, Williams, O'Kerr, Kirilenko group was this deep. I think they were about seven deep. The last time that they had nine or ten guys you could put on the court and knew that every guy had a skill they could bring that was useful was the late 90s when they were going to the finals. That are group you, was really deep. Are you including when they were bringing Rusty LaRue off the bench? I am not including that. That was about 2002 or three, I think. So. I'm not. Those were those were good times, though. Maybe it was. They were good times. (laughs) That's when we were getting going, baby. They were good. Rusty Larue, forty-seven years old right now. Good times, man. Rusty Larue had great stories about playing basketball in Russia. They were hilarious. Rusty in Russia? Yes. Yeah, he played in Russia, and he had great stories. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, schedule adjustment. Joe Ingles is sliding back to 9 o'clock. Craig Bullerjack is sliding back to 9.30. Keep it tuned right here to 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. What Joe's doing is historic. You take, I think, at five threes, only Kyle Korver has ever had a better shooting season in the history of the league, which was interestingly on that 60-win Hawks team that the Jazz get compared to the most. I have a statistic I call points gained, which is you take the players' possessions or scoring opportunities in a night, comparing to what an average player would do with those. Steph's obviously number one in the league. Joe's the seventh most positively impactful offensive player in the NBA. The league still doesn't quite understand the value of 50% from three. Like, it's, it's a crazy number. It's game-changing, and it's why we win. I can make a pretty good argument Joe Ingles is our best offensive player this year. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. Sniggy. Yo. I got a question for you. What is that? What was the better throw, Joel Embiid or Zach Wilson in Pro Day? <laughs> Zach Wilson at Pro Day. It's the greatest throw ever. I mean, it was cool the way Roethlisberger threw that ball about 14 feet in the air over the back right pylon in the Super Bowl into the tiniest possible window for the touchdown catch and to win the Super Bowl. And it was about half as good as that throw Zach Wilson had against Air in Provo. <laughs> yeah, but how about Embiid, though? See, Zach Wilson's target was much bigger. Zach Wilson threw it across his body, 50 yards downfield, back towards the other side of the field, and still dropped it down the old elevator shaft and hit him right in the hands. Whereas Embiid didn't put the air under this. That's why it didn't go in. The shot was too flat. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to criticize an 80-footer at the horn that he had to shoot flat-footed with no momentum, but that shot was a little on the flat side. It was perfectly online. Great distance to bank in. It was just too flat. If it had a little more arc, it would have banked in, and they would have gone to overtime. Can you imagine if he threw in an 80-footer to force OT, and then they lost an OT? (laughs) Could have happened. Could have, yeah. They were shorthanded. But just having the strength. To throw it that far online. And the ability, the athletic ability, that was one of the best athletic players 
plays I've ever seen. The strength yep. combined to be able to get it, it. It's not like a two-handed and you're moving and you hoist it from the waist. I threw in a half-court shot in CYO, all-star game, no less. An all-star game in CYO, which stands for Catholic Youth Organization, I'll have you know. And uh, I banked it in at half, at, uh, at half court. Place went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what was more impressive? Embiid's throw or my baseline falling out of bounds hook shot at Jazz Media Day? Embiid. I knew you would say that. I'm not giving you anything. Out of raw raw jealousy. (laughs) Straight on, 100% raw jealousy. (laughs) The best part was, and I wish we had tape of this, it was so epic. I I was out of the game at that point, and I was standing two to three feet away from Dennis Lindsay, and he was a little in front of me in my line of view. And the way his shoulders sagged and his head rolled to the side, he was already thinking, we are never going to hear the end of this. <laughs> his reaction was pure gold. I don't Walk know what was left better. Wing, comes off a pick to the middle of the lane, kicks out to the corner. It's PK with it. Five on the shot clock. Guarded by Anderson. PK with little room. Works to his left. Nothing there. Three on the shot clock. Rolls to the right side. A running hook from 22, and it's gone. And the yellow team wins it. PK raises his arm, high fives the crowd, and leaves the building, having hit the running hook on the right side. They've redone the building since then, but PK, <laughs> PK was shooting at the north end. He hits it, and he was on kind of the what would be the east side of the court if you were ever in there. And he turned, and you ran up the sideline, and you turned left and ran up the tunnel like Bo Jackson. <laughs> it was hilarious. And Dennis's reaction was spectacular. It was so good. And he got it just a split second in front of everybody else because that was the reaction pretty much going through the gym was, oh, boy, we're not hearing the end of this. And then when you ran up the tunnel, that just kind of that kind of locked in everybody's mind. Oh, yeah, he's going to milk this for a long time. How many years ago was that? You're still milking it. Oh, 10. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> that was just hilarious. Of, of all the stupid things they're, they're doing this, this stupid media day and media game, and you throw in a hook to beat a buzzer. And I don't remember who was on you, but whoever it ben was. Anderson. Oh, was it? He totally that, looked like. That's what just said. Anderson it's Gardner. Silly. <laughs> he was like, play by play. He called he Ben was, Anderson was gardening. He was right up against you, totally in your shorts, man. You had no space. You were just desperately just. Well, you create the hook shot from 20. <laughs> I will say if Kareem had been in the gym, he would have run across the floor and given you a high five. He did call me later to congratulate me on the form. I believe that. Hit How by Taylor, sc- they don't call it. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> is this going to morph into lock moments now? Man, that's Why not? i got a whole cavalcade of these. I mean, guys. think about it. Nobody here in Salt Lake Media has seen the sky hook more than me. Uh, probably right. not. You lived in the, in L.A. in the '80s, so and I yeah. had to. I was assigned as uh, a Doing, secondary writer yeah. for the Lakers many games over, and uh, saw it in person. Obviously, you saw all the games on television. It was a, talk about must see TV. That yes. that was my love of the '80s Lakers because I sat in there, the Daily Breeze newsroom, night after night after night, watching all those games. And, uh, yeah, so I, I modeled the shot after him. I, I, I feel bad for Ben because I set him up thinking that, okay, he was guarding me real tight when I knew all along that I was just going to hit that baseline hook to win the game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a swish, too. It wasn't a it, fluke. It, 
<laughs> I didn't hit any part of the rim whatsoever. You it put was the as air underneath that. Be. You, you did put the air underneath that ball that I said that uh, Embiid should have put under his eighty footer, which was incredibly <laughs> impressive from Embiid. I don't know that I've ever been more impressed with a missed shot. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. I guess or, Gordon Hayward had a great missed shot, right? That to, to fling yeah, in a half quarter. But that was, that was more what we've seen that a million times over, though. The the strength it takes from half court. At, at half court, you can kind of aim it and shoot it. At 80 feet, people are just heaving it. A basketball is actually pretty heavy. And to throw a basketball 80 feet is really hard. Not lots. Go if you if you and your buddies who normally play go to a gym and try to throw in eighty footers today and recreate it. You'll find out how hard it is to get that off ball. a rebound, flat footed. Yeah, eighty feet. Oh, even if you just take it and you run up and throw it like a javelin or something, eighty feet's a long. Yeah, run. and you gotta you gotta get a rebound so your shoulders are to the back of the basket you're shooting at because you've got to get the ball first and then turn around like that and being able to throw it. It was more of a throw than a shot and almost be this close to having it go in. The fact that he got it online, it doesn't matter, but they should have given him two points. <laughs> the, the PGA wants to pl- pay players for popularity. How about the NBA for style? Have judges. That was worth one. That was worth two because it looks so pretty and so smooth. Come on, man. That was incredible. If I'm ESPN and all these shows they got going on today, I put that shot up and I put Zach Wilson's throw and say which was the better of the two. I can't believe you just decided that judges should be awarding points. You you don't want your sports judged. It doesn't matter if it's uh, gymnastics, figure skating, diving. You don't want judges. Yeah, but they don't change the outcome. Just style points. I mean, they're not literal points on the board. Stop. They give them two points, and the Suns would have been fine. That's true. They were up by three. They were up three. No, and I would. That was because Zach Wilson had the best off-season football throw in the history of football. Did you see Herb Street laughing about that? That was hilarious. Herb Street said everything you and I had been saying about that. You got. He told him right on the on that interview on that show they did. He yeah, said yeah. that uh, you got more run for that than you yeah. got for any throw you made during the regular season. Yes, yes. And Zach just started laughing. He He's should. Like, yeah, I did. <laughs> You're right. I did. <laughs> and when he made that throw, that was why I drove ten hours uphill in the snow every day to Southern California to work out at Golden West College in Huntington Beach, California. I think that's where they made it, where they worked out. I could be wrong, but I think that's where it was. Well, I hope for his sake it was Huntington <laughs> Beach. That's a nice chunk of real estate right there. Yeah, and the Golden West is a... Uh, Nothing wrong with Huntington Beach. Sign oh, me up. Good fr- A good friend of mine, super tight, raised his family there and now is retired to St. George. And yes, he did buy cash. <laughs> And his son is a big-time volleyball player at Long Beach. Oh, really? Yeah. He nice. and I, uh, along with his family, we watched. I was down there. I told you I was down there uh, last weekend. And we watched Long Beach play. He's got it uh, streamed it, and he put it on the big screen. So, yeah, yeah. I've been a volleyball, I've been a volleyball fan for a long time. I have been covering it a lot in California. You know, the funny thing is I grew up in San Diego and really knew pretty much nothing about volleyball and went to college and got hooked on it. It's easy to get hooked on. And if you like basketball, the odds are you'll like volleyball. 
there's there's a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities. A lot of athletes cross over and play both. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I still remember one night in the dorms, everyone's like, what are you going to do? And everybody's going to the volleyball match. And I was just like, what, the volleyball match? All right. Went and had a good time. Turned out Karch Karai was in town. Everybody was it's all It's one of my favorite uh, in-person sport sporting events. As good as it is on television, I think it's awesome in person. In person. When you're right there, men or women, and you can just see the strength of these players and the speed of the ball yep. and how difficult it is to have to dig it, to have to return a serve, to get a serve over, not just you know just punch it over. I mean, I'm talking a jump serve and all that stuff. That's incredible athletic ability. But, yeah, and I think that Embiid showed incredible athletic ability. And that throw by Zach Wilson, you know, in a pro day, you're looking for something to distinguish yourself. And somehow Zach did it on that throw. That throw has gotten more run. Name me a throw that didn't count that has gotten more run in the history of ESPN. I don't know that there's ever been one. Or NFL Network, because didn't NFL Network televise? Who televised it? Was it, it was NFL, NFL Network? Network had it live when it yeah. ran. Yeah, and I've seen them uh, replay the pro day on NFL Network. Still, so they replay it because they don't have live television. And I don't think NFL Network, I don't think they – like Baseball Network, they uh, they go live during the off season. NFL Network doesn't do – I could be wrong on this, but they don't seem to do as much live stuff in the off season. I think they pick their spots. You know, I mean, they're yeah. going to be doing a lot of draft stuff. I think both of Obviously. them, both of them, do shows and record them, and then play them a gazillion times. I think they both do that. Um, and I, do they do as much stuff during the season too? I don't know. I don't tend to watch them that much. Uh, I mean, they have a live morning show. I've seen them. I've seen them uh, pump that up. Um, but MLB's got MLB Network's got the advantage of there's just more games and there's more content for them, so it's a little apples and oranges just because of the sports, right? And they're playing every day, yeah. So there's a reason to have a more of a, of a live presence. I understand that, but that throw by Zach gave him just a ton of run, and that shot by MB. I actually wish it would have gone in. It would. I don't know that I would have seen a more amazing shot outside of personally my. Baseline falling out of bounds, no, perfectly formed it. hook shot to win the game. Stop it. What do you mean stop it? <laughs> Why would I stop it? Just because you didn't make it and I did? Comparing yourself to Zach Wilson. Hilarious. <laughs> I was comparing myself to Joel Embiid. Still hilarious. <laughs> You're doing well with the hilarious. I thought I, I, I toned it down on the trash talk. I could have been like Larry Bird, buddy. That's probably true. I don't doubt that you have another gear. I don't think anyone should ever doubt your ability to trash talk. I could have gotten Ben's face, but no, I treated him as an equal competitor. <laughs> why would you get in Ben's face of all Because I made the shot over him. What do you mean, why? Joe Ingles gets in everybody's face every game. That's a true story. He got another tee. He dropped the big one in the post game. Holy cow, Joe, you're all over the map. He'll be on with us in about uh, 20 minutes. And he he, he elbowed Olenek. I know. <laughs> Come on, dude. You get out of town. You created space. You pushed him out of the way. It was a foul. I would have teed him up, too. I would have given him two tees. Early shower for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> As he continues to make three-pointers at an astounding rate. This is off the charts, man. This is 
this is just beyond incredible. It's beyond words. Where are we going with this, Joe? It's like every shot now, you're expecting it to go in. And it seems like it's so pure, too. They're barely even touching the net. Well, Mike Conley addressed the thing that we have been talking about. He uh, talked about it in the postgame last night that uh, Joe's stats go up when either Donovan or Mike is out, and that now Mike and, and Joe, and we can talk with Joe about this, that Mike says he's talked to Joe about, hey, you can't just be scoring 30 or 40 points when I'm out. You know, we got to make sure that you stay aggressive and, and have opportunities when I'm back. So. That's what I said. It's over now. The idea of Joe being a decoy or just kind of standing around and – making the pass that leads to the pass, that's all well and good. But Joe's ability demands high-level production. Now, you're not going to give it every game. Steph Curry doesn't give it every game. He had a phenomenal run, and last night he couldn't make a shot to save his life. It was, what, 2 of 14 from mm-hmm. 3, something like that? Yep. All right, fine. You're Steph Curry. You're the greatest shooter we've ever seen. And so if you have off nights, well, then certainly everybody else is entitled to. That, that, that's the law of numbers, as you like to quote. <laughs> to, to a degree. The law of numbers for Steph Curry uh, is a much higher law of numbers because his ability is incredible. He's like Trevor Lawrence when it comes to throwing a football and shooting a basketball is what I've heard. And so still Joe has to give more because it's there. And it's not it's not the occasional Greg Ostertag, I can give you a big game every three weeks. We're well beyond that, wouldn't you say? Yes, I mean, he's shooting 49% from three. He's leading the league. And he's had a bunch of 20-point games. He's had three straight 20-point games while Donovan's out. And so the question is, how do they keep him involved? And I, and, and Conley didn't – it wasn't my question. And Conley – I wasn't actually even on the Zoom last night. I was, I was editing when I'm at the station. It's a different deal. And so I, I saw it afterwards. And Conley didn't really get into it. But I think that – for Joe in the playoffs, it's going to come down to if he's going to be aggressive, he's going to have to have the ball run in the pick and roll at some point in the possession, whether he starts it or not. I just don't think teams are going to leave him. So if you don't get him the ball up high early, there aren't going to be that many opportunities to get him the ball on that many possessions. Teams aren't leaving that guy. He is way, way too deadly a weapon to rotate away. Yeah, from you him. can get it in transition too. And I thought in in the Houston game, and I mean Houston's terrible, so I don't want to make too much of it. But I thought that 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 was a big part of what they did in Houston. Is he got the ball in transition? Once he got it early in the game, he got it to Clarkson in the corner for a three. A couple other times, he set himself up and just hit it. Um, he got a he had a steal. Uh, in the game, I think it was third quarter, yeah. and uh, yeah. and it was kind of like a semi-break situation, and Houston struggled to match up, and I think he actually gave the ball up and got it back and and walked right into another three, you know. So when he gets the ball early, but if he's down in the corner, he doesn't have the ball. It's going to be hard to get him the ball. Not impossible, but it's going to be difficult. Teams are going to want to take that away. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that, but there's certainly obviously other ways. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's most impressive, and Thor was talking about it, and we've noticed it over the years, his recent years, his ability to catch the ball at face level and shoot it yep. and just go up rather than sort of reset and regather, yep. get it, shoot it, and have it have a great and excellent chance of going in. That's a skill that 
was developed through repetition, yeah, I he, believe. And he talked about that about like three weeks ago when he was on with us. Yeah. That that's a lot of repetition in the gym to adjust the catch and release point. And it's also credit his teammates because they don't throw him the ball at his waist or at his chest. They know to throw him a pass on his forehead. And multiple guys have done it in games. And it's happened too much for I haven't heard anyone talk about it, but it's just happened too much to be a fluke. You know, they, they must have of uh talked about it, worked on it, and everyone's focused on it. Yes. You know, it's one of those details that Quinn talks about. And when he's not talking about defense, one of those rare offensive details he'll talk about, you know, that uh, that's the kind of stuff that they have to lock in here in the last uh, dozen games or so. Uh Uh-huh. All right, DJ and PK, Joe Ingles is coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The transferring and that sort of thing that's turning into the Wild West. Listen to this tweet from Dick Vitale. Players are informed School X will offer you if you get in the portal. That violates why the rule was put into play. It's not ideal and I understand their abuses, but I don't think they overwhelm the freedom individuals should have. Which they do have. You can transfer wherever. You just couldn't have a scholarship the next year at another well, spot. That, for a lot of people, that makes it very difficult. Or you could have a scholarship and just not play. You're still going to school. It's up to coaches to make their programs attractive enough to keep their players. I think it's another excuse for money to change hands. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. The question of the day getting a lot of response and Laker fans are weighing in PK. That's when the first starts to fly. The Suns beat the Sixers to go 2-0 on their eastern swing and keep the pressure on the Jazz. Are they forcing the Jazz to abandon any idea of resting players? And Parker Post, it's cute that you think it matters what seed the Jazz get. Rob says, I'm not worried what seed the Jazz get. We're going to have to face you come playoff time anyway. Parker says, well, assuming the Lakers are fully healthy. So he will concede that, but Laker fans weighing in. Is there any worse fan base than Laker fans? At the pro level, Raider fans. No, I don't. I don't think Laker Raider fans have a level of entitlement. No, they don't anymore. Raider fans have been through the ringer. They've moved all over the the place, place. man. Can you imagine being an Oakland Raider fan? No, not once, but twice. Yeah, I know. You wind up a storm, and you live ten hours away, and your team moved two hours. Doesn't matter. They moved to LA. It's not the same. But you're not there either way. Doesn't matter. That's true. I'm not. Uh, and Oakland went to L.A. and then back to Oakland and now off to Las Vegas. Yeah, and, and th- hundreds of miles. And now in this case, obviously, a state. Jeff says, nah, in fact, we fell to the two spot. I'd rather face the Clippers in the second round, not the Lakers. Not having home court against the Suns would be irrelevant. If it came to that. That's the thing. I think if it comes to that, it will be relevant. But I'm not convinced it will come to that. Yeah, but see, if it comes to that, at that point, do we give the Suns respect? Or are we still disrespecting them? Well, I think generally the Suns will be disrespected. I don't think you and if I If they are. got to the third think, round, they would still be disrespected? They get to the conference final, and we're still thinking, yeah, but let's see what they can do in the playoffs. <laughs> And they've gone to a place Chris Paul's if, never gone, and obviously none of the other guys. Well, Jay Crowder has, obviously, but most of the other guys did, haven't. If it's Suns-Jazz in the conference final, 
the loser will be ah, see, they couldn't do it, and the oh, winner, and the winner will be the <laughs> underdog in the finals. People don't believe in these two teams, uh, largely speaking, playing. nationally. And if anything, the the fan base that might be the second um, second on the list of believing in the Suns could be the Jazz fan base. Kind of like, yeah, they are kind of getting treated just like our team is. You know? Oh, <laughs> little, totally. And so I think there's a, and I don't know, you could probably speak to it better. Uh, maybe the Suns fan base thinks the same thing about the Jazz. Like, hey, these two teams are running one, two. How come everyone's still focused on the Lakers and Clippers? It's because the Lakers and Clippers have the postseason pedigree and well, they've had injuries, and there's the feeling that they're resting slash coasting slash getting healthy for the playoffs. Phoenix has massive LA envy mm-hmm. because it's not just the Lakers, it's the Dodgers. We don't have an MLB team here. Right. Is it uh, and is it the colleges too? Arizona and Arizona State to USC and UCLA, Arizona th- and UCLA more in basketball and ASC and ASU and USC in football. Well, SC everybody thinks they have a rivalry with SC for right. sure. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The Zone. Joe Ingles is coming up next.